It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. What's going on, Reds fans? Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast, TGIF. Today, we're going to talk about, going to wrap up the offseason. I know it's not technically over yet, but there are some quotes, and we're just going to look back and see what the Reds have done, kind of tie it all together, and get ready for spring training. Also, we've got some Locked On Reds line stuff I'm going to get to in the second half of the show. Before I do, though, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all the many podcasting platforms. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Locked On Reds. Also, check out LockedOnReds.com for even more content. Brand new post up there by Clay Snowden talking about some breakouts and bounce backs on the infield. Also, save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone. 513-549-549. 0159. So, real quick, let's get to some news. News team assemble! Yesterday, Thursday, it was the truck day, truck loading day for the Reds. They loaded up the 18 wheeler and send it on its way to Goodyear. That's right, folks. We're already talking about the Reds getting set for spring training in Goodyear. I'm so happy about this. And this is something that I did on last year's show right before spring training started and on truck day as well. Something I like to see. I like to look at the list, the, uh, the manifest, as you will, of the truck that's heading out to Goodyear. I mean, obviously, there is a ton of stuff on this truck we're talking about a huge group of guys for the baseball team the coaches the training staff everything i mean that's 60 players 60 odd players 40 some odd coaches and support staff and guess what since this year as many have maligned whatever i I don't really this doesn't bother me at all but this year the Reds and Major League Baseball are switching to the Nike uniforms. So they've got to have completely brand new uniforms for all 60 of those players and all 40 of those coaches and event staff folks and all that good stuff. So that's all in the truck. There's also 120 batting helmets from Rawlings in the truck. And for the, it says on Reds.com, it's a 1,825 mile journey. This is what else? is in the truck 10,000 baseballs, 1,000 baseball bats, 500 hats, uh, 400 pairs of socks, 700 pairs of pants, 
350 shorts and 350 hoodies and also 300 t-shirts. Not really sure. I guess they just let 50 other people bring their own t-shirts. I don't know. Whatever. And then uh, 200 batting practice jerseys, 160 buckets of bubble gum. There you go. 100 game jerseys, 100 jackets, and 100 cases of sunflower seeds. I wonder if they got ranch in there. That was always my favorite, sunflower seeds. But the awesomeness of truck day is a sign that spring training is almost here. Pitchers and catchers report on February 13th with their first workout on the 15th, and then the first full team workout February 18th, and the spring training opener on February 22nd. It is almost here. I could not be. I mean, I was so excited. This offseason has been so awesome getting us ready for what is about to come in 2020. I believe it's going to be a good year. I mean, you, you've been listening to me. If you've heard any of the podcasts here in the last couple of weeks, I've been saying this is our year, baby. This is the Reds' year. But uh, real quick, uh, let's wrap up why I'm excited. I swear to God, I'm smart. Let's look at what the Reds have done and package it Altogether, first off was the signing of Moose. Mike Mustakis joins the Reds just shortly before Reds Fest on a four-year, $64 million deal. They have announced that he'll play second base now. That is, of course, contingent on whenever Eugenio Suarez is healthy. There have been talks that he will move over to the third base position if Suarez is unable to go on opening day. We're hoping that's not the case. There's some belief that he will be ready for opening day. I think the Reds are just trying to be conservative with their estimate on how much recovery time he actually needs, and they don't want to rush him back for any bad reason and then just, you know, re-injure it altogether and make things a lot worse. So he would move over to third base, but a very nice bat to have in the middle of the lineup. Good slugging guy, good guy to have homers and doubles and knock those runs in as well. Then. They bolstered the rotation with the signing of Wade Miley, the only lefty in the rotation. Two years, $15 million. Most people have said that if he is healthy and if he is anything like his the, the form that he was in pretty much up until September of last year, this will be a steal of a deal for the Reds. And not only that, it also gives insurance because while the Reds have the talent in Tyler Malley, now they have the cushion in Wade Miley. It's kind of nice to have six caliber or six major league caliber starting pitchers on your roster and not have to worry about who's going to replace somebody in the event of an injury. So they've got some depth there thanks to that signing. Then they go out and add the first ever Japanese-born Red in Shogo Akiyama. I'm super excited about this guy. And as you heard C. Trent on Tuesday's podcast, he said that he is very excited about Shogo Akiyama as well. There's lots of national pundits who are being very conservative on Akiyama. And if you heard Keith Law talking to Mo Egger on his radio show during the afternoons on ESPN 1530, he mentioned that Akiyama is an unknown quantity and he could be a really good fourth outfielder. I think he's going to be better than that. He's got a great ability to watch bad pitches and swing at good pitches. That sort of thing transfers whether you're in single A, double A, triple A, Japan, Mexico, wherever you come from, it's not as if you get to the major leagues and you forget how to see pitches. Shogo Akiyama 
has that ability. He's going to be a very dynamic player for the Reds. Now, whether he is their everyday center fielder, uh, I think it will depend on if Senzel gets slotted into second base in the early goings while Suarez is hurt. Again, that's if Suarez is not ready by opening day. It'll be interesting to see how the Reds manage playing time with those two because both of them, Senzel and Akiyama, can move around at all parts of the outfield because if you're a center fielder, you can definitely play a right field or left field. It's not as if we're talking about trying to put Jesse Winker in center field here. Also, the last move, and we all know this one very well. Nicholas Castellanos is signed for a four-year, $64 million deal. Pretty much the exact same money as Mike Moustakis. And we know his quality. We know that he is a very passionate, very clubhouse-driven guy, a leader for this ball club. But more than that, he caps off an offseason in which the Reds added exponentially to their roster. There are some really conservative projections out there saying that they will only win 80 games. I find that very hard to believe. I believe that the basement for this team is a 500 ball club, and I think they are a playoff team. But the best part about it, they traded nobody. None. There was no prospects that left the Reds this offseason. They were able to add all of this talent and hold on to Hunter Green, Nicola Dolo, Jose Garcia, Jonathan India, Tyler Stevens. All those guys, Stevenson, not Stevens, Tyler Stevenson. All of those guys are still in the organization. So not only was it a win in the sense that the Reds went out and got to hitting, and they have improved this lineup to the point that there are some folks who are saying that the lineup is now the key strength of the team. Well, when you've got a great pitching staff like that, that's a pretty bold statement. Oh, and I almost forgot. Pedro Strope, the announcement was made just the other day that he's official. They added all aspects of the team. The, the whole mandate for the offseason was to get the hitting. They did that. They even got a little bit of pitching, too. It's going to be a very awesome year, and because they didn't strip their farm system for talent to try and trade, they now have a little bit of a surplus to see if they need to make a midseason deal or something of that nature. They can. So the whole idea of a shortstop or something like that, if that's still something that the Reds need come trade deadline time, boom, they have the ability to go do that. I, I mean, if you, if you looked at this offseason and you're not excited, then I question how big a Reds fan you are. Coming up, we're going to do some Locked On Reds line stuff. But first, spring training is almost here, which means Cactus League action is forthcoming. And if you're planning to get out to Arizona to watch the Reds and any and all other Cactus League teams, the best way to get out there is visit Arizona.com slash spring training. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans because you've got 10 stadiums with 15 major league teams all within a 50-mile radius of greater Phoenix. So you can get to everything. And on top of that, you've got awesome landscapes. I mean, Arizona's known for its outdoor adventures and national parks, lots of great places to explore but when it comes to the game i mean spring training 
Everyone is so laid back. You can meet your favorite players, get some autographs, and then enjoy some baseball in some nice warm weather. If you're like me and you live in the tri-state area right now, you're freezing your bunions off. Head out to Arizona, warm up, and watch some Reds baseball. Best way to do that, visit Arizona.com slash spring training. Go there and book your spring training excursion today. We're going to end this week on a Locked On Reds line note. Got a couple of text messages that I want to get to. And you, you know, you've got these, uh, you got questions, you've got stories, all this good stuff. Hit me up on the Locked On Reds line at 513-549-0159. And the reason I say stories, I'm going to start with a story from our friend Scott at MTG Packfoils on Twitter. He has a story for us. He says, and this is, an, this is, his text saying during Reds Fest 2011, the winter before Joey Votto got his big contract, all the buzz was about trading Votto. I even made a keep Joey Votto t-shirt and wore it all day. I showed it to Chris Welsh there at Reds Fest who told me in a not so arrogant way, they can't afford to keep him unquip. Of course, I was quite put off by that. Yeah, I would be too. Flash forward a few years later, and Welsh is at the Dayton stop for the Reds' caravan. He is sitting next to Bob Castellini. I, of course, wore the exact same clothes, including the shirt I made to that event. Hey, Welsh, remember me? I never saw someone squirm in their chair as much as he did sitting next to the owner. Bob really liked my shirt, too. Me, one. Welsh, zero. P.S. Votto's contract looks pretty affordable nowadays. And that's kind of the funny point. And, th- and thank you very much for the <laughs> for the story, Scott. That would be kind of interesting to keep tabs on that and see guys' reactions whenever they're wrong. And that's why uh, freezing cold takes on Twitter is kind of a fun follow for, I mean, that's for all sports, not obviously just Cincinnati stuff, but for everything. But to to, to say that his contract is a great value points out a thought process that not a lot of Reds fans that I've heard at least call into radio stations have. Most folks say that he's overpaid, that his contract is in some way hampering this team. Somehow Joey Votto's money is the reason that the Reds are not competitive. That's a bunch of baloney. Look, here's the thing. They paid for a lot of years, yes. But the years that they paid for, that they got amazing talent out of, Joey was awesome. Joey did everything he possibly could to help this team win. Ergo, reason why he was like a point away from winning NL MVP in 2017. Remember how good the Reds were in 2017? (laughs) They were terrible. But he was so good that he got MVP votes enough that he almost won the award. The problem was the organization put nothing around him. And I don't know why. I mean, it's obvious that, you know, they could say small market, they could say this, they could say rebuilding, blah, blah, blah. The point was, they didn't put a good team on the field during his prime years, but they still paid for him. They still had the money on a check to Joey each and every season. Now, we are in the point where the rents do. It's not as if the Reds were always going to get prime Joey Votto throughout every single year of this contract. 
But if you go back and look and you, you look at like roster resources that are out on the internet and all this other stuff, the performances that he put out the first half of this contract were far and above how much he was actually getting paid. Ergo, the Reds actually made out pretty well in that case. Now, his performances don't necessarily match up to the 27-odd million dollars that he's making. But that is where the payment for those early years comes in. Look, he is going to be a Red until the end of his contract. I really believe that. And I almost believe that he will retire as a Red. I don't see him going anywhere else after this contract. And, you know, maybe he gets a short one or something like that whenever it ends. But the point of this is, to everyone who thinks that Joey Votto is overpaid, you're wrong. The Reds are paying now for the years that they didn't pay to put a team around him whenever Joey Votto was amazing. All right, anyway, I got off on a rant there. Uh, Let's get to another text. This one comes from Mike Hubbard. Mike says, would you rather have, and this is a player comparison, this is a blind comparison, would you rather have player A, who had a 3.49 ERA last year, 206 innings pitch with a 9.6 strikeouts per nine. He's making $11.25 million a year. Or would you like to have player B? Player B had a 2.62 ERA in 219 innings pitched, 13 more innings pitched, with a 10.3 strikeouts per nine. But he's making $27.5 million a year. So 16, a little, yeah, a little over $16 million a year more than player A. I think, I think I want, and I think I know where he's going with this. The answer's obviously player B. Look, the, the, the money, yeah, sure, you can belabor how much money he's getting paid a year, but if a player is worth it, a player is worth it. And then obviously, player A is Aaron Nola, and player B is Jacob deGrom. And he asks, just wondering where you think Castillo lands among these. Look, to say that I think Luis Castillo is going to be Jacob deGrom is like saying Aristides Aquino is always going to have months like August of last year. Obviously, we saw that's not the case because September was a complete and taller, uh, taller, polar opposite of August. But to say that I think Luis Castillo is going to be Jacob deGrom might be overselling it, but I think he can be a lot closer to Jacob deGrom than closer, I mean, I think he is already as good as Aaron Nola. I really do. But I think that he has a ceiling that is higher than Aaron Nola and somewhere around where Jacob deGrom is. Look, deGrom is one of the best pitchers in the league right now. I mean, top five easily. You can't name five other guys that are better than him. That's the way that I think about it. Luis Castillo isn't in that upper echelon just yet, but he can be. He's got the nastiest fastball in the league, nastiest changeup in the league, and if he can rein in his control, and I know that part of it is being effectively wild, but if he can cut down on the walks just a little bit, he's going to be so dynamic and so impossible to hit. It's going to be so awesome. I'm so happy that he's here. I hope the Reds extend him for a long time, and they get a pretty decent good deal out of it. But I digress. That's going to be it for it us here today on the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on the show this week. If you missed any of the episodes yesterday, we had Reds Killer of the Day with Ken Huber of Obscure X-Reds on Twitter. And a couple of days ago, we had uh, 
Today in Reds Awesomeness with Cam Miller, I had Jib Jab with Joey. Make sure you check out all that that you missed and more. And the best way to not miss any episodes is to subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to. Also, follow me on Twitter. I share episodes on Twitter as well, at Jeff Carr with three Fs and at Locked On Reds. Also, check out LockedOnReds.com for even more content. And save that Locked On Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. Leave me a voicemail. Leave me a text. If you want to get on the show, just make sure you leave your name. Anyway, that'll do it for us this week on the show. Thanks so much for listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. My name is Jeff Carr. You guys have a great weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.